Now, before we get into the podcast today, a big shout out to our sponsors at manscaped.com. Now, fellas, how's your beach bod treating you? Manscape is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Don't be the guy at the beach with a bear rug on your chest. And if you're growing some quarantine mantis, just like myself, at least you can do is make sure they're hairless. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with a code KOA at manscaped.com. Now, Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. This kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. Be sure to use a crop sensor body wash just like myself to keep your hair and skin feeling healthy and fresh. Do yourself a favour and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code, once again, KOA at manscaped.com. Enjoy the show and let's get into it. Podcast brought to you in association with manscaped.com. Go and buy up all those those quality products. Use the code KOA to get 20% off and free delivery. The whole damn team is here, I'm pleased to say. And I'm going to start today with young Roscoe Halls, who, if you're watching on video, you will see is sporting an international football top, which is not England. An absolute disgrace, Roscoe. You claim to be half Italian. You've got links to the mafia in Naples, familial links. Um, and obviously, you're very excited. We're recording this on Tuesday. Your boys face Spain tonight. How are you feeling? Ooh, Forza Italia, Forza Rosori, as you say. Uh, Bella. Listen to that uh, Italian accent, listen. boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forza Italia, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but no, it's uh, they've been, you can say they're the favourites at the moment. Of course, England, because it's coming home. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting. I think they are the favourites, aren't they? Haven't they won like 15 games in a row or something ridiculous, your boys? 32, I think. Or 32, no, they like, they're undefeated. Undefeated yeah, games. But they've but... actually won 15 games in a row, haven't they? Which I is, think so, yeah. Which is unheard of, including qualifying. So uh, are, you, are you feeling positive that your boys are going to get it done tonight? Yeah, if they use the same tricks as they did against Belgium, falling over and stuff, then I think we've got the, got the, got the win right there. That's the classic Italian tactic, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. They brought that and to defending. the world. And defending, defending, of course. And also looking incredibly debonair and suave in their quality blue kits. They've got that. And Machini in his suit. Yeah. Machini suit just looks never, so. Never mind cool. Machini in his suit. I love the fact that even the physio runs on in, in his <laughs> like in his dancing shoes and his grey jacket as well. Even yeah. the physios yeah. needs to sprint on to uh, to bring the magic sponge. Even he's looking like he's <laughs> uh, suited and booted. I bloody love Italy, boys. I've never felt more out of place and, and less fashionable than when I've been to Italy because everyone looks good on the streets of Italy. It's a it's a beautiful place, obviously. Even me when I go there. Yeah, even you. <laughs> it's very, very stylish indeed. I'd highly recommend Italy if you've not been there. Um, Hutchie, have you been to Italy? You're wearing a Raiders top today. Las Vegas Raiders, that is now. Have you ever been to Italy, my friend? been to Italy many times. Lovely, lovely place. Do you do you um, make an effort while you're there? Do you dress up, three piece suit on the street, that kind of thing? No. Do I know? <laughs> do I know dress up? the The thing that I love about Italy in this tournament is that the Mancini Viali 
bromance that's going on here. The pictures of them back from like back in their playing days and then them hugging now in their matching suits and just what when Italy score, obviously Mancini's on the touchline, he's he's going mad, and then Viali runs down from he's up in the up in the dugout and he runs down and they hug each other. It's it's lovely. Yeah. I bloody love Italy. Everything about Italian football is sexy. Uh, maybe apart from actually watching the uh Syria games because they can be a bit dull. Stewie, um, you're sexy and dull. Uh, how are you, my friend? <laughs> um, I'm not sure how to respond to that. I'm um, a segue. Segue. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say, Mark. Am I both those things? I don't. Who's to maybe, say? Maybe Who, the latter. Yeah. How are you anyway, my friend? You okay? I'm good. I'm good. Superb. You boys, of course, have just enjoyed your last weekend off for, for a while. Although, Stu, you've got a bit of holiday coming up, he says, remembering. Um, boys, we're here to talk about Ipswich Town. So let's do just that. Since we last convened, there have been a lot more sexy stuff, links, stories, things that you boys have broken. So again, in time on a tradition, we're going to do it in chronological order, starting with the most recent. And the most recent is a young man called Sante, as I, I seem to recall Big Mitt used to call him. Um, Bursant Selina, um, this is not a drill. Ipswich Town are actually interested in, in bringing Bursant back to Portman Road. Stuart Hutchie, which one of you wants to take this one, start with it, and, and let's run with it? Go on, Mr. Go on. Du- Cap- Captain Dull. Off you go. <laughs> yeah. I'll try. Um, yeah, they're more than interested. They're, they're actively in negotiations to, to bring him back to Ipswich. I was obviously a big... A big loan hit in the... Go on, give me the season. 17-18. Yeah, 17-18 season. He's gone on to play. He went to, went to Swansea um, off the back of that season for reported £3 million. Went there, had a couple of seasons in the championship with Swansea, then had another decent money move to French top flight side Dijon um, last September. So he's just had a season... Playing for them, they've been relegated uh, out of the top flight of French football. They'll need to cut their budget accordingly. And so Mr. Selina is available and Ipswich have been quietly working on this one, from what we understand, uh, for a number of weeks, four or five weeks. Um, The story of their interest obviously became public over the weekend. And now there's a few little nerves, I think, that... uh, that uh, the deal could get hijacked with a few championship clubs now starting to sniff around him. But if they could get this done, that, boy, that would be big. We're talking a permanent deal, are we? As opposed to a loan, Actual, actually signing him? Uh, not 100% on that one at the moment. My gut instinct, and I don't know this for a fact, is that a permanent deal off the bat would probably be beyond Ipswich. Um, talk that he's on as much as £20,000 a week at Dijon. Um possibly could there be a loan situation thinking out loud where Ipswich kind of uh, pick up half of that in contributions or some sort of percentage of it and then have that kind of first option to buy or even um, sometimes you you can have that sort of compulsory buy clause if Ipswich were to get promoted that sort of situation possibly I mean that that could be the situation with with uh, any of the loans that Ipswich get this year that you suddenly uh, sometimes you then have a um, you have to buy them if you get promoted, essentially. So, um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure on what the terms of this deal are, but it's um, it's something Ipswich are very, very serious about doing. And I'm sure it's a name that really made people sit up and take notice when uh, when it came out. Mm. 
Kochi, burst Sant Salina back at town. We, I mean, we talked about Matt Crook signing being a statement. This would be an Uber statement. Um, and where, where would you see him fitting into this this revolution? I note from the, the PC boys have done, um, there was a line in there saying that he's interested in being part of the, the story at Ipswich. Yeah, and I think that's that says a lot in itself, even if they don't get it done, and there's still real hope that they do, even if they don't, players like him are interested in it. I, I, obviously, it's a, it's a different time. It's a different. He's a different player now, but th- this is a player that at the time, in 2018, was kind of beyond Ip- Ipswich's reach in the transfer market when they were a stable championship club at the end of the Mick McCarthy reign. They'd had the succession of them, Ryan, Ryan Fraser, Tom Lawrence, and then him. And at the end of every season, we knew full well that Ipswich weren't in a position to keep their kind of star winger, um, creative attacking midfielder permanently. And that another one would need to be found. Um, sadly, the one that came in that following someone was Jordan Graham. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't quite, didn't quite happen, but um, yeah, it, it, it's just an example of, of where, the, where the club are at now, where where the ambition is and the ambition is the main thing here for me is that I think when this one initially kind of crept out over the weekend, it was seen as a little bit of a joke potentially, but by some that, that they they can't get a player like him, but um, that they think that they can. Wow. Rossi, I know your, uh, your WhatsApp groups have been firing with Selena stuff. If town can make it happen, how good would that be? As I quote you, it'll be flames. It will be flames. Flames. Yeah, um, just wow. League one versus he will rip league one apart. You'd, you'd hope so anyway. Uh, you know, I went back to watch his, you know, his goals he scored. And I think all of them are pretty much were fantastic. You know, just dribbling around at all the players. You see players falling down behind him as he goes and strikes, you know, the, the free kick against Burton where, you know, fans were shouting his name, get him on, get him on. And then, you know, he took the free kick and scores and his shirt was off and into the crowd. I was in that away end at Burton that day. And uh, yeah, what a statement if this does go through. Hmm. Do you know, do you know where, sorry, Hutch, you about to say something. Uh, he's like, Remembering, remembering him, but this was obviously in the championship. He had his inconsistencies. Like he, yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't, he, he didn't rip up the championship. He was, he was, he was good for Ipswich. He, he played very well. He was something that they didn't have. But the, the thing I liked about him most is just the positive first touch that he had. That's my big memory of him. That in a team where where so many others didn't didn't play on the front foot potentially at times, and it was a bit cagey and cautious. He he was one that would do that and play on the front foot. And even if it didn't come off, he was looking to make something happen. I think we, we have to remember it, it didn't happen every week with him. There were reasons why he didn't start every week. I think only 20 odd of those appearances were championship starts, but you, you'd have to hope at, at league one with a couple, a few more years of experience behind him that, that he would be, you talk, you're talking similar kind of level to eight, like McGeady in, in League One, where, where, you, where other opposition teams would look at him, different players, of course, but you'd look at them and, and think there's a star man on the pitch here. Um, not many League One teams have a player like that. Sunderland do in McGeady. Um, and he he's come up with the goods for them, particularly linking up with Charlie Wyke. And the hope would have to be that Ipswich would have a a star in, in, in relative terms. And um, that's exciting. 
it almost seems ludicrous, doesn't he, that that Town could have a player like that in, in League One because he would every other team in League One would be terrified of Bursanselin. You'd think, Stewie, do you know what kind of stage we're at with this? You say his interest, as you'd expect for a player like Cena from from the Championship. What kind of stage are we at? Um, I can't really add a huge amount more than what what I've already said in that it's it has got quite advanced um, in terms of negotiations with with him and Dijon and his representatives. But there is now a sense, a vibe that we're getting is that the game now that it's in the public domain, the game may have changed slightly. And uh, Andy's put in his story this morning that there's some championship interest from the likes of Harlan Coventry. So. That's probably where he's at at the moment. Um, a player who was maybe seen as very talented, perhaps a bit of an attacking luxury at sort of championship level. Um, so therefore might not get him the top end championship interest. Uh, the bottom end of the championship might be restricted in what they can do this summer because of the financial mess that the second tier finds itself in. Uh, and that is what Ipswich are possibly able to shop in the market they are at the moment because the championship finds itself in complete disarray. As we know, it's a complete basket case of a division financially at the best of times. That's been completely exacerbated by by a year of COVID. It didn't get the same sort of financial help as, as League One did. So that coupled with Ipswich's new ownership means that they are able to go toe-to-toe with certainly bottom-end championship clubs for players like these. That coupled with the fact that Selena has been at Ipswich, presumably enjoyed his his time here, um, means that they are able to potentially do a deal that nobody thought would have been possible. He was a big fan of a hairdresser in Ipswich, wasn't he? I seem to remember. Um, there was a particular hairdresser he used to go to. They'll, well, they'll be they'll be excited, wouldn't they? Absolutely. <laughs> Rub, um, rubbing the, for, they... for a short period, I sported a Burt Sandsleen-esque haircut until I saw a picture <laughs> of, of Oz Boys, it actually was, um, doing the podcast. And I thought... That's not age appropriate anymore, Heath. You need to uh, you need to wise up. You need to change that. Roscoe, what are you saying? Can I? Um, I'm going to put a picture up. Can you remember his signing picture? He was very miserable, weren't he? <laughs> Wasn't very just. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that isn't that what they all do now because they're too cool to smile. Yeah. Like footballers, you don't smile. Yeah. Look at that watch he's wearing as well, Roscoe. I bet that's worth a few quid. Um, boys, any, anything else to add on Selena before we move on to the next exciting link? Not, not really. I think from Dijon's point of view, they clearly need to, they clearly need to to move him on. French like talk about the championship being a basket case. Chat, Liga and Ligue 2 are an absolute state at the moment. They've got no TV deal. The previous one, just I, I think, just defaulted and has has vanished. And they've been auctioning off television rights for the top two leagues in in France and none of them have hit the reserve like the very very bottom end reserve price so there's currently no tv deal whatsoever in french football which um which isn't good because club, clubs rely on that particularly when you're not having any supporters through the door for an entire season so in terms of getting the deal done with dijon i think that's that's probably the easy part of of this one is anyone else adding in mustard every time everyone someone says Dijon, by the way? I'm doing it in my head quietly. I'm sure everyone else is doing it. Boys, basket case. I love that term. That's one of my favourite um, parts of the football vernacular. Something's a basket case. Where does that come from? Is it a football thing or is it just a general kind of term? Because it seems to get used a lot in football chat. I don't think it's exclusive to football, is it? I'm pretty confident with that. But the, 
As for its origins, I'm not sure. I have to go and look that one up. I'll maybe, I'll maybe do some googling while you boys are, you boys are talking. Next all, up, all, boys... I'd add, all I'd add, Mark, before we move on, is yeah. that I said sort of um, right at the start of this this summer window that I think people picked up on it at the time that I said the targets are going to be ambitious, perhaps even higher than than many people were anticipating, and that sort of piqued people's interest. And I think now some of these names that are that are coming out shows where it switches levels of ambition are at under these new owners. Um, we're probably going to go on and talk about Matt Crook's situation now, but the likes of Crooks and Selena, um, I think the business that they've done thus far has been good, solid, more than solid, um, exciting, but I still think some of the marquee signings are to come still. That feels, that feels like the case that the, the, the players at the top end of the pitch which is where the issues were last season, creativity and goals are still to come, really. So, um, you know, this is where things really start to hot up now. We're only, you know, we're only a week into July. We're still pretty early in the transfer window. I know people are going, well, they're back in pre-season and the first first game is on Saturday at Dartford, but there's, there's still a long way to go in this transfer window. And I still think Ipswich's most exciting business is to come. Okay, um, just before we move on, I have literally just Googled basket case and where it comes from. It's pretty dark, boys. I'm not really sure how it, how it fits into the football vernacular. But um, we're all about edu- edutainment, aren't we? Education and entertainment. So in the form of education, here we go. The term originated in America after the First World War. And it was used for a soldier missing both his arms and legs who needed to be literally carried around in a litter or basket. Although there are no records of any soldiers actually being carried in baskets. So that's pretty dark. I'm not, really sure, I'm not really sure how that applies to describing the championship as a basket case, but there you go. Well, it's been kind of blown to bits. But, well, I suppose, yeah. Mm, yeah, why not? I'm not sure I'm that keen on it as an expression anymore. <laughs> no, no, there you go. There you go. Uh, there's your education for today. Moving on to entertainment, boys. This has to happen, this next one, because I've already got a nickname for him. Arvin Appiah, double A. If we call him awesome Arvin Appiah, we can call him triple A, which I like. Um, who, who wants to take this one? Uh, Hutchie, do you want to go with Arvin Appiah? Tell us what the latest is. What's happening with this young man? Well, they've just heard what his nickname is going to be, and that that is it. <laughs> they've pulled the plug. They've pulled the plug on this on this deal. Uh, Doesn't matter because he runs on batteries. <laughs> Let's come. Let's see what he's done. Let's see what he did there. Very yeah. good. Very good. Arvin Arvin Appiah is currently playing in Spain for Al- Almeria. Um, but people probably best know him for for bursting onto the scene at, at Nottingham Forest, where he was a teen, a teen kind of broke through there. Similar, similar kind of player to Selena, really. Um, left footed, mainly plays on the right, cutting in on that left foot, but can obviously play on either side as as most players in in that mould can. He's still young. Um, he's ended up in ended up in Spain in a big money move um, from Forest, but it's not really gone. Very well for him over there. He's not played much football, certainly not for his parent club, Almeria, and he's, he's ended up on loan at, at Lugo, another second division club in in Spain. Um, but he's got good pedigree, obviously, coming through Forest, young England international in, in years past. And um, for me, this one feels like it's not on the level of Selena, and, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be a surprise potentially if this one was maybe a, either a backup plan to Selena or more of a more of a squad player with a long-term look on him, but he's um he's definitely one they like. Mm. Stu, Appiah, thoughts? The fact that Ipswich are looking at 
signing a player that went for eight million pounds not so long ago, and Salinas had combined fees of five, six million pounds behind him in, in recent years. It's just another marker of where Ipswich are at in, in the window at the moment. Um, uh, has been, as Andy says, in, in England youth teams all the way up to, to under 19 level, would have rubbed shoulders with the likes of, of Saka and Sessegnon and Gibbs White and Green Greenwood, people like that. So that gives you an idea of, of the pedigree that he's at. Um, he would have played with, with Raheem Harper as well, won't he? That, that kind of age. Uh, yes, they will, they will have. Yeah, I think there's a, uh, a year between them, but they, they yeah. have sort of played in the same England age group teams at a time as well. And we'll come on to Lewis Gibson in a minute, who also sort of falls in that same sort of age group category for, for England teams. Um, so that says to me that Ipswich, as much as the core plan is to, we've talked a lot about getting these battle-ready League One championship hardened players at, at that prime age of 26, 27, 28 that can hit the ground running. Um, they are going to be have to supplemented by some younger ones. And obviously, if you're ploughing a big part of your funds into some of these marquee signings, um, you have got the, uh, the salary cost management protocol rules to consider 60% of, of turnover limited to wages. Uh, the good thing is that players under the age of 21 uh, don't count towards that. So hence why Ipswich are probably looking at, at some of these, you know, um, good young players that, as Andy says, twofold, hopefully they can come in, add a bit of excitement and fearless fearlessness that comes with youth and, and potentially turn you a bit of a profit further down the line. But also uh, they will need to be kind of mixed in with, with your Lee Evans and your hopefully your Matt Crooks and, and people like that along the way as well. It's an interesting one that the kind of the salary thing and and how that all all adds up. Like obviously, the way that League One operates generally is that there aren't big transfer fees going around because clubs can't pay them. So the wage is the thing that the SCMP is covering because that's the, that's the biggest that's kind of disparity between clubs generally is being able to pay transfer fees. But Ipswich are in this unique position where there is some capital to pay to pay transfer fees. Um, I remember when this first came in the first summer, we were talking about SCMP. There was talk about selling Flynn Downs and people like that at that point. And we kind of came to the conclusion that it made absolutely no sense to to kind of sell Flynn Downs for, for four million pounds because Ipswich was so tight against that cap that they couldn't have spent that money on fees anyway for the players because of the because of the wage issue. But if you're not if you're doing that now with younger players that in theory, in theory their wages shouldn't be as high. But you can maybe invest a little bit of money into their fee to get them here in the first place. Ipswich are just in a really strange position with this SCMP that it doesn't it doesn't apply to them in the same way that it did two years ago. It doesn't feel it's all coming at them from different from different angles. Um, and like Stu said earlier, they're in such a, a good position in terms of basically being able to operate financially as a bottom half championship club at this point, um, relatively. So it's, um, it, it does feel like a bit of a sweet spot. Ipswich have managed to get themselves in due to the change of ownership. Hmm. Rossi, we just talked there about two quality players, Selena and Appia. Slightly differently, they're both playing abroad and we haven't really seen town look at foreign Johnnies players playing abroad for some time, have we? So is that, do you think that's a kind of a shift in, approach for you at town is that something they should be doing more of 
Yes and no, because, you know, we won't get into Brexit because that's a whole different conversation and we don't want to talk about that. But um, I'm sure that's a bit different. But maybe with them, because they've both been living in England before, it's probably maybe easier for them to sort out maybe visas and stuff. I don't know. I'm probably going down a, a different hole we want to go down. But, um, you know, they're not, say, foreign players who are going to have to learn the language and stuff. They've already played here before. Um, but, yeah, it's a different way of doing the transfers we haven't done you know we haven't had that many players coming from abroad for a while you know we've only had like Jonas Knudsen and those sort of players um, and that's just once every few years we get those sort of players but uh it's exciting and you know it's a different way of the transfers how we get around with the new owners and very ambitious and yeah he's another young player but he's got the pedigree and he's played a lot like of those players that you mentioned so yeah really really intrigued with this one Stuart, are you aware of any kind of shift towards more overseas scouting at town with the change of ownership and the, the mass change of, of backroom and, and management management side team? Uh, no, with those sort of two names that we've mentioned, I wouldn't imagine that's suddenly a, a huge shift in, in recruitment at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Selena is obviously a name that we're well known to, to a lot of people. Um, Apire is obviously someone that has played in England and I imagine their knowledge of him has probably come through through the England youth system and players that he's, you know, you mentioned Harper is someone he's played with and mm. other links as well. Um, so I imagine that's probably their knowledge of, of him has come through that rather than suddenly having a, a Spanish football expert that suddenly come on board. They're still in the process of, of really sort of building up the recruitment team under the new ownership at the moment. I think it is quite a traditional method of a combination of sort of Paul Cook Francis Jeffers, Gary Roberts, all their various connections to to clubs across the country where, where they've worked with before, um, players that they've worked with and, and seen with their own eyes, combined with kind of Mark Ashton's data dashboard that he's brought across from from Bristol City and, and all, all his guys working behind the scenes. Those those two things working in conjunction is what's leading us to the, the signings and the targets so far. I'd love to see the data dashboard, wouldn't you? I think it's a closely guarded secret, but the way he described it to me was it sounded a bit like almost a, his personal Sky Sports ticker in his office with all various bits of information and behind the scenes stuff being fed in from various sources. I think a lot of it, from what I gather, is is to kind of make sure you've got an up-to-date idea of market value. Mm. So a big part of it is is to work out who's going for what, not necessarily players that it's not all about players that you necessarily want, but it's get, it's getting an idea of when you come to the negotiating table with a player, you've got a really solid idea of, okay, so a 21 year old who's primarily coming from a ex from a championship club that's got a year left on his contract, you can punch all of that in and you can start to work out a bit like it's no different to valuing a house, you know, working yeah. out what other houses in that area have gone for. You're trying to work out whether you're you're not going to be overpaying for someone and, and what their true value is. So I think that's a big part of uh, the data dashboard from what I gather. That's one of your key summer tasks for me, boys, um, aside from bringing in all these transfer exclusives, which you're doing admirably thus far, is get a little insight. I want you to see the data dashboard. I know you you boys and Ashton will probably sit down around the table at some point, demand to see the data dashboard um, because we need to tell the KY Army about it. It'd be tremendous to get a little insight into that. Hutchie, do you reckon it? I think you touched on it earlier. Is it is it either or with Selena and Appia, or, or could Town potentially be um, where they want both? I, I, to be quite honest, I don't know. Um, 
I, I don't see a reason why it couldn't be both. They need players in that area of, of the field. Um, but make no mistake about which one of those two is the is the bigger the bigger fish for for town this summer. It's Selena. So uh, I think if it if it came down to any kind of decision between the two, it's um, it's a slam dunk. Which one they're going for? There's there's eggs in the Selena basket. They they want to get that deal done. I love very light, very very light on the wing positions, aren't they? Really, mm. you've got Wes Burns at the moment, who may end up playing right back, depending on the fitness of Kane Vincent Young. Touch wood, hopefully he'll be fine. But uh, beyond that, there's there's not a great deal. Armando Dobra, who's kind of started off with the 23s and, and come back up to the first, but I can't see him being sort of someone that Paul Cook's got earmarked for a, for a starting position. So um, they need players on on both sides. They need multiple signings in, the, in those positions, I, yeah. I would suggest. I'm pretty confident one of those that will end up being Michael Jacobs from Portsmouth. I'd, I'd, I'd be at this point quite surprised if that didn't didn't end up being being one of those. But I, I think if you just look at Selena, it's pretty clear that that's you know potentially the level of, of starter that we're, we're talking about here. Um, Jacobs Jacobs may be brought in as one to kind of cover all three of those positions and provide really good cover there. Not yeah, not messing about. I'm excited, boys. This is this is tremendously exciting. Um, I want to take the segue there. You referred to Selena as a big fish, Hutchie. Someone else who's a big fish, literally, is a big unit. Matt Crooks, Stewie. Um, have we got ourselves a genuine Ipswich Town transfer saga? Because there's already been a couple of bids go in. They've been rejected. Are we going to get a back and forth? Is it going to be played out in the media? How good is it that this is the situation with, with Matt Crooks? And what's what's the latest, as you understand it there? Uh, I think we have got a transfer saga on our hands, haven't we? We go back. I'm reminded of David Norris. That was played out sort of quite publicly over an extended period of time, wasn't it? Before mm. Ipswich finally got him. Um, and much like Norris, they really want him. And it's someone that I don't think the interest is going to go away in him. Um, I do think there is a deal to be done there. Ipswich have started out with a 400 grand offer that was very quickly rejected. They've come in again. Uh, at a level of around 600, which has also been rejected. Paul Warren, the Rotherham manager, has been speaking quite publicly about that being way, way below their valuation of the player and that they value him well into the seven figures. From the conversations I've had, I think originally they thought about £2 million was, was his market value. I think they've probably dropped that a little bit in their minds to about one and a half now. And I think the two clubs will meet in the middle at some point, no doubt about it, because as much as Rotherham don't want to lose him, he's in the final year of his contract. And um, they've just come down from the championship. And we've just talked about the financial issues in the championship. They've just had a year playing behind closed doors. They won't be in a position at some point. The money will be too good for them to turn down. Now, the issue here is how long Rotherham and Crooks potentially want to hold out for championship interest. I don't think championship clubs are in a position to make their move just yet. We understand it's the likes of Peterborough, Middlesbrough. Uh, who else, Andy, have I missed? The... Dar- Derby, but they've got their own. They're, Derby really want him, but I think Derby quite would quite like a lot of players, but just aren't in a, exactly. aren't so, in a place. You know, for Rotherham and Crooks, is it a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Do you wait all summer hoping that Derby come in? But 
who knows how their financial situation is going to unfold. They're under a transfer embargo at the moment. Peterborough, are they having to wait for, example, Clark Harris to be sold later in the summer to, to open up the doors to do other stuff? So I'm sure Crooks wants to stay in the championship deep down and Rotherham have made it pretty clear that they would rather he went to a championship club. That they'll, Ipswich will pay a premium to get him because Rotherham will, does not send the right vibes to their fans if you're selling one of your star players to a promotion rival in the same division. But I think Ipswich will be prepared to pay that premium. I don't, don't get me wrong, they'll be tough negotiators and they won't be taken for mugs. But I, I think that tipping point should be met pretty soon. And uh, the hope is that both Rotherham and Crooks ultimately will uh, will want to take mm. a good offer that's on the table early rather than sort of um, trying to hold their nerve and, and wait for interest that may or may not come from elsewhere. Well, this is where Ashton earns his corn, isn't it? Because this is what he's got a track record of um, of doing so well at. He's a, he's a negotiator. He gets, he gets good deals incoming and he gets good fees outgoing as well. So I think this is where, where Ipswich will really benefit from having um, a man like him sort of at, at the helm, like um, steering the ship. Um, this one reminds me a little bit of um, the ultimately failed um, Curtis Tilt transfer saga from, from 2018, which we've not, we've not had the formal transfer request um, from Crooks yet, which uh, that card got played by Tilt um, too early, if I'm completely honest uh, in that, in that one. Um, but you know, it, I think it's very clearly in, in saga territory to, to have managers speaking about it publicly. Paul Warner is, is pretty transparent. Maybe what's uh, what the aim of of speaking publicly like that is is to do, and I think that's probably to get the best price price possible for a player they they don't want to lose. So yeah, we're in we're in saga territory, but there are a few more chapters, um, a few more chapters of that still to go. I'm sure. A phrase somebody used to me this week when I was talking someone about this crooks situation is that it's all about timing your run in the transfer market a bit like timing your run in the box on the pitch it's about quite often it's about the timing of your transfer bid and whether you go too early or you leave it too late and have it and if, have it switched gone too early with this one that would be the question mark here because once the negotiations start the prices start to go up and if Rotherham hold out too long who holds their nerve the longest to Ipswich? Will they have a moment where they think we can't hang around all summer for this one and we move on to other targets? Uh, does the Crooks, Crooks camp, are they left to rue that, that they think that once the Ipswich boat has sailed and then the other interest doesn't come in? That They're all the, they're all the factors that are at play mm-hmm. here. But my gut feeling is this gets done. Fingers crossed. It is interesting, isn't it, boys? Like you say, Hutchie, with... Um... With Warren talking about Crooks, we've also had Cowley talking about Ipswich talking to Jacobs and we've had the, the Pompey CEO this morning saying that Ipswich is spending big money. To hear people speak so openly about the money that Ipswich have got and the interest that Ipswich have got, um, that is clearly designed to drive up prices for their players, isn't it? And Potentially, potentially. I'm not sure that the, the Pompey guys, like, particularly, like, he's talking about Sunderland spending big money. They've not, they've not signed anybody. They've not brought anybody in. Uh, and Wigan, with the greatest of respect to Wigan, are kind of rebuilding a squad that they had to completely dismantle um, a year ago because of the horrible administration um, that they went through. And then, and then Ipswich are obviously potentially maybe a bit a bit different to the rest of those. Ipswich may be the one that are kind of spending 
spending decent money, but I don't think anything that they've done so far is kind of hugely wild. I wouldn't say maybe maybe kind of Selena. Selena's obviously a little bit different but in terms of we- like Wes Burns, Lee Evans. Um, they're two players that were playing in League One last season. Pladke was was playing in League Two, uh, and that's kind of a deal that's probably in the the two hundred to three hundred thousand pound region. Um, Matt Penny is a free transfer who was released by by Sheffield Wednesday. I think, like Stu says, in terms of if you're talking about marquee signings and and things that maybe would get the port the Portsmouth CEO kind of a little bit hot under the collar, um, that's that's kind of still to come in terms of what what's has and hasn't happened. Speaking of hot under the collar, Rossi, um, you are the, the voice of the fans, host of KOA Fan Social, among your many other podcasts in your empire. Um, it, and Matt Crooks, what kind of what kind of impression do you get from fans as to how much they want Matt Crooks here, and, and how important he would be in, in terms of someone that Town could sign this summer? I.e., if Crooks if Crook gets away for whatever reason, is that going to be a major blow? Do you think for fans, or will they be fairly sanguine about it? <sighs> I think they will be, but then I think some fans probably understand that he may want to stay in the championship. He's just proven himself, you know, I know he just got relegated with Rotherham, but he's proven he can score in that division. He can bully defenders. Um, so I think fans will be disappointed. I think they're excited that it's being linked. You know, when we when we saw him play against town before, and we've said this before, he bullied us in those two games. And yeah, I think if there's no other option after Crooks and that's maybe fans will go oh they're a bit, a bit worried but I think they're they're hoping I know a lot of fans are hoping because he's he was always the standout player when he played against us so yeah hopefully this goes over the line fingers crossed yeah I mean the next obvious step is for is for Matt to whack in a transfer request isn't it um, apparently that, that Rotherham advertiser is saying he can double his wages by coming to Portland Road so there you go and the, re- and the rest so there you go Matt that's what you need to do whack in transfer request let's have you at Portland Road sooner rather than later please um, defence wins championship boys we know that the American owners know that um, but Town need to sign defenders they missed out on Sonny Bradley they need centre-halves more than anything um, and Sue you broke a story uh, yesterday I think it was I've kind of lost track of where we are um, a left back or utility player really from, from Middlesbrough Hayden Coulson brings up to speed with this one yeah we we kind of asked out loud whether Matt Penny had been signed as the the starting left-back or perhaps a bit of a a utility squad player. Um, I think that's looking more like the latter because Ipswich Town are are very much in for Hayden Colson at Middlesbrough. Um, uh, A young player who not that long ago was named Middlesbrough's young player of the season in the Championship after his breakthrough year under Jonathan Woodgate's management when they finished in in the bottom half, 17th, I think it was. Off the back of that, he was getting linked with with a move to uh, to Newcastle for as much as £10 million in some of the nationals. So that's kind of where his um, that's where his status was at not that long ago. Um, and then last season, he slipped down the pecking order a little bit at Middlesbrough. Wasn't really to Neil Warnock's liking. I think was seen as a bit too attack-minded and free-spirited to, to play in the sort of Neil Warnock system. Neil Warnock likes his defenders to defend and his attackers to attack. And um, so he didn't really sort of fit into to the Neil Warnock way of doing things. They had Marvin Johnson. Um, they had Bowler as well, sort of playing down that left side. So he found his chances limited a, a bit last season. Um, but he's another one who ticks those versatile boxes that we, we've talked about. Cook wanting to have a smaller squad with lots of versatile players. 
he's a left back, but he's played left wing back. He's played left wing. He's played right midfield. He's even played as a number 10. He finished the season sort of playing as a number 10 for Middlesbrough. So um, we know Cook wants his fullbacks to play like wingers. I've said that plenty of times before. And so I think if this one gets done, he could very well be it, which is starting left back heading into the season. Mm. Hutchie, would that excite you? A man who very rarely gets excited, obviously, but how would you feel about Coulson being... Is that true? I think so. I've never seen you really excited. Oh, I'll tell you what I have. I have seen you very excited when we talked about kits. That's that's the most animated I've ever seen you. Um, Particularly, I remember goalkeeper kits, was it? Just don't get too high with the highs, don't get too (laughs) low with the lows, and you'll, you'll never be disappointed in life. I'm I'm excited. It just doesn't it just doesn't show through my face um, or arms. Um, <laughs> left backs. The thing I like about both of these left backs, Penny and Coulson, is that they can both play. They they're both attacking players. It's pretty clear. It's, like Sue says, it's so clear what what Paul Cook wants. Wes Burns can play right back and on the wing. Kane Vincent Young, we know can attack, and and that that's what excites me. Um, You've got the fullbacks going out on the outside. I think Cook wants his wingers to be a bit tighter coming inside. So, like Selena, Appiah here, we're talking about them maybe playing on their wrong foot coming inside. You've got the fullbacks going down the outside, and that's a really nice style of attacking, high tempo football to watch. And and it's it's pretty clear that these guys fit fit the mould that Cook wants. And um, Paul Cook said he'll be he'll be happy to be judged after after one preseason and one transfer window with his own players, and it feels like these both Penny and and Coulson. I think it's probably right to talk about them as a pair. Uh, are his kind of they're his kind of fullback. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing um, what Cook can do with that because all, all respect to Stephen Ward and, and to a slightly lesser extent Miles Kenlock who could attack a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure they were the kind of fullback that that Cook really wanted. So, so to have to have two potentially, if the Coulson one gets done, um, is a good a good base for Paul Cook. I'm going to stick There's with a bit you. of a theme oh. emerging here. Sorry, Mark. In terms of, I think we can probably read a little bit into some of the career paths of these players that Ipswich have either signed or or are interested in. In terms of Paul Cook, I think is putting a lot of value in players that have shown a great deal of character in putting themselves outside of their comfort zones and taking on different challenges at the, at the different stages of their career. We talked about Matt Penny going and, and playing a year in Germany, which is not not obviously a well-trodden path. Um, Rakeem Harper was quite happy to go out on loan to a relegation battling Birmingham side at the back end of last season in his desire to, to play games and further his career. Um, Coulson was someone that was quite happy at a young age to go and play for two relegation battling sides as a young man, both up at St Mirren in Scotland and, and Cambridge in, in League Two as well. So I think I'm starting to see a theme emerging here that, that he wants players that are that have got a bit of character about them, that are happy to take on new challenges and push themselves and take themselves outside of their, their comfort zone. And, um, and, and that excites me because we talked about it being a, a quiet team, perhaps a team that a club as a whole that had slipped into a bit of a comfort zone. A lot of these young players that had maybe just been sort of wrapped in the Ipswich Town bubble for a long time. I think a lot of these players are going to be bringing a lot of different experiences from different clubs, different countries. And I think that can only be a good thing. Mm. Selena's massive on that, isn't he? Because obviously Man City, he was, at, he was at for a long time, but he also, he was out on loan here. He was on loan in, in the Netherlands at FC20 and and then to go to Swansea to kind of take yourself out of the Man City bubble to go to go leave at a relatively young age actually compared to 
some others to leave permanently and go and impress there. He's obviously gone to Dijon and he's got that swagger about him as well, which um, is kind of something that Ipswich haven't had for a long time. So I think I think Selina really fits that um, that description that you've just put had there, Stu, as well. Boys, before we move on, I've got a confession. Um, I don't feel good about it. I've just turned round and looked behind me to see the cable for my microphone. Uh, <laughs> um, which I put on the bed while I shut the door. Um, I've been talking into a, a microphone which is not plugged in. Um, so, but do I? What do I do now, boys? Hutchie, you're our technical uh, advisor. Do I risk plugging it in, or uh, let's just let's just carry? I think you'll be all right. Let we'll we'll just have a chat. You mute yourself while yeah. you're do, while you're doing it. Get yourself yeah. plugged in, and. Um, We'll see how you get on. Uh, the, but mate- the, the irony here, of course, is shortly before we went on air, started recording, I was I was um, berating Stu for his microphone. Um, and then I've completely forgotten to plug mine in, like a complete amateur, rank amateur. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'll mute myself, boys. Hopefully, I'll be back in a minute. Who do you want us to talk about? Uh, Lewis Gibson, please. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Lewis Gibson, Stu. We've... We, uh, were we, were we doing the podcast when he was linked here before? They were very keen on him a, a few years ago. I think it was the when? When even was that? I can't remember. I think it was before the League One season. In the League One season, at some point, the first one, um, left-sided Everton. Um, he's clearly a player with pedigree, isn't he? We've seen him play for Fleetwood, and then he's got he's gone off gone off to Reading. What do you what do you reckon? Yeah, obvious Everton links with with Franny Jeffers, obviously on on the coaching staff at Ipswich now. Um, don't know if he'd come in as a, a starting centre half necessarily, but again, centre half is a position that Ipswich are short on at the moment. Really, you've only got uh, Luke Wolfenden and, and Toto Enciala. I still think a proper, experienced, gnarly centre half, potential captaincy material is. Uh, is in the wings. We know that they went for Sonny Bradley and that one didn't come off. But Gibson, I think, would be a fit into that sort of bracket that we talked about earlier of these players that fall underneath the, the salary cap. Uh, he's of that same sort of 2000, 2001 born uh, class that we talked about with with Apire um, and Harper and, and others like that. He's a, he's a ball-playing centre-half, like you say, left-sided as well, so it ticks a box there. Um by all accounts, has, has done pretty well for Fleetwood in this in this division. Uh, didn't quite happen for him at Reading previously in the Championship. So another one that would be a, a good addition, I think, for this season, but also be seen as one that you know with potential to grow as as Ipswich do as a club as well. I'm, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of willing to let um, last season slide with with any football player given kind of how strange a season like Selena didn't have his best season last year in, in Dijon he didn't score a goal for them but he's moved to France during a pandemic played in front of no fans and not been able to just not been able to be a normal normal human being like we all haven't over the over the last year so Gibson was similar went to Reading didn't didn't happen for him didn't play anywhere near as much as he wants wanted but in my mind in terms of sort of footballers progressions and career paths last season almost didn't happen I kind of wish it actually didn't having sat through everything that we did for for Ipswich but um in my mind I'm quite keen to I'm happy happy to write that off Mark Heath have you have you changed your mic settings to actually be using this one or have you just plugged it in 
I've just plugged it in. Is that you sound? Mm. You do sound different. I think you're in the game. I do. All I right. mean, the lights on. I do apologise to all the listeners if I've sounded a bit tinny um, thus far because I've basically made it a complete ass of myself by uh, not plugging my microphone in, uh, and I will wear the dunce hat this week. Um, boys, we've talked there about all the all the the ins, sexy stuff wise. Have we got any updates on potential outs? Again, we record a transfer talk video on Friday, which kind of complicates things in terms of what we talked about on here. Uh, I think we had a chat on there, Hutchie, about Flynn Downs, didn't we? Um, and in terms of whether or not Flynn is literally on his way out the door uh, and Town are just waiting for the right amount of money. I think you've done a, a story since we last spoke about Peter, or was it Stewie, one of the two of you, Peter are leading the chase or being interested in in Flynn Downs. Is there any uh, anything we can say there, boys? That was me who did that that story. Um, Peterborough certainly don't lead the chase. They were certainly very interested, but I mm. think it became quite apparent to them early on that uh, they weren't in a position to do the deal. Um, the vibes I'm getting that is that Flynn has, if he is to move, has got his sets higher, tights set higher than than Peterborough potentially even Barnsley as well. Obviously, Crystal Palace, a Premier League club, came in for him last summer, um, which led to that that transfer request, um, which I think, looking back, it's, it's always horrible to hear as fans when a player has handed in a transfer request. But I think I said at the time, football careers are short and things can change very quickly. You know, Andre Dezel was having interest from Liverpool and and clubs like that at one stage, and then your one cruciate knee ligament injury, and your whole career, your whole career is on a different trajectory for a while. So these moments of interest can come and go quite quickly. Um, Flynn has obviously now had injuries of his own off off the back of of that Palace interest, but there is there there will still be plenty of suitors for him. We know he's a good player. We know he's better than than League One. I think Ipswich missed him last season and that there will be, there's a lot of clubs sniffing around him at the moment. And I, I think that's a transfer situation that's not going to hot up till later in the window. Mm. I think the fact that we've got the Euros going on at the moment, sometimes that pushes back some of the business done at the very top end of the game. And then you get the domino effect from there and suddenly championship clubs get a bit of money come in and that, that opens up their situation to do some things. So, um, He's still training with the, the 23s, Flynn Downs. I'd be surprised if he's involved at, at Dartford along with the likes of Kenlock Jackson and Bishop, who are obviously among those that have started pre-season with the 23s. Um, I think I think Flynn departing uh, will happen, but my uh, my hot take is it, will, it won't happen until a bit later in the window, that one. What's a reasonable amount for Flynn Downs, Ross? Um, we know that, that Palace offered 1.6 million last summer, um, way off the 8 million that, that Town were talking about or valuing them at. They're not going to get near anywhere near that now. Um, if you're Ipswich Town, if you're Mark Ashton, you're Mike O'Leary, you're game changer, what is a reasonable amount to sell Flynn Downs for, do you reckon? Oh, I'm the worst person to ask this question because I do not have a clue. Um, but put the mark well, you're, 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 you're a fan. What would, you, what would you think is. Uh, well. With the season he just had and the injuries, and we're still in League One, I don't know. We probably won't get much for him. Maybe two million. I don't know. Is that possibly two million? Maybe. I think that's 
I don't think we'll get that. No. I don't think we'll get that, will we? Boys, the boys taking the heads. You're not going to get more than that 1.6 million bid, are you, boys? Given uh, what's happened since, I think you're looking more at the Andre Dezel level um, yeah. million. Um, hopefully, a million, and you can you can negotiate some something into there to to protect yourself clause wise. Um, that would be that would be my hope for for Flynn Downs now. Okay. Any other outgoing updates, boys? Sorry, Sue, you're going to step in there. No, I was just going to say, we talked about obviously the, the four players with the 23s and um, I think it's pretty clear that, that all there's a chance that all of those will, will move on this summer. Um, potentially even ones that are in the fir- that first team squad at the moment, someone like Janoi Danassian as well. So there's every chance that they could be used as a bit of a bit of leverage to do some, some business um, at some stage as well, chuck them in as kind of make-weights. Um, I semi-wonder whether that might happen with Rotherham and Crooks at some stage. You'd think that some of those players may may appeal to a club like them. So um, I think there's you're going to see a lot more. Of, I haven't seen loads of it in the transfer market so far. It always kind of comes out in phases, the transfer market. So the first phase that we've kind of seen is out-of-contract players. There's a bit of a race to kind of snap them up. Then it kind of moves on to fees um, when that's settled down. And I think that this year we're going to see... Feedback on the line there. We're going to see, I think, a lot more kind of swap deals and a lot more player trading going on this summer. And then the loans tend to kind of happen further down the line as well. So I think we're kind of entering phase two of the the transfer window now. Like it. Anything else to mention, Hutchie, before we move on from sex and stuff? Probably... By the time this comes out, we might have a story on our on our sites about Teddy Bishop. Um, I I think he's he's got he's got suitors. Um, I, I I think of the ones that are in the let's call them the bomb squad um, of the ones that are there at the moment. I think he may be the one closest to a move away potentially. Um, Lincoln, Portsmouth, MK Dons, um, three in three in League One that would be be keen on. On him and 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 um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, he would be one that I think might might depart sooner rather than later. Sadly, I like that. Actually, teasing the listeners, it's also seamless because now you need to go and read the story when it's online. So there you go, um, Teddy Bishop update. Go and check that out online. Hopefully, it'll be up by the time you're listening to this. I should, before we move on, boys, just apologise again to the listeners because um, the boy B units barged his way into the studio and he's currently sleeping to my left so no doubt that will be getting picked up we you also may hear something that sounds like a goose honking at some point unfortunately we think that he may have kennel cough um and i'm actually awaiting a call from the vets so you might get breaking news updates on that as well so if you do hear what sounds like a demented goose trying to cough up a frog um that i'm afraid will be uh, my dog um but he's he's currently fast asleep so i'm i'm not going to start fighting with him to get him out the door and unfortunately you can't stop him coming through the door because he's a bulldog and he just walks through any door um, with his big fat head. Um, right then, boys, before we talk about more exciting stuff, I should also point out, of course, that we're sponsored by Manscaped.com. Use the code KOA at Manscaped.com for free delivery and 20% off all their stuff. I'm going to be investing, friends, in a weed whacker this week. I was away this weekend. Part of that involved dressing up all posh light to go out for a nice meal. I looked in the mirror before uh, going out, and I had what appeared to be a plant growing out of my ear. So I'm very much in need of of said weed whacker to clean out one's ears and nose. I have, unfortunately. Oh, you've got a weed whacker, Hutchie. There we go. I assume that is a quality bit of clobber like everything else that KOA do. 
at Kway. Uh, Manscaped do, obviously. We yeah, do we we stuff. make we we make these now. <laughs> can you can you recommend that? Can you? I mean, that's just totally impromptu, but you you pulled it out now. So, what, well, what do you tell me? What do you your, your nose looks pretty hairless to me, my friend. How about the ears? Are they all uh, in trim? Now? It's not really an issue for me, um, but but I'll keep on top of it because I've got um, the right tools for the job. Exactly, and I assume you bought that using the code Kway. Did you, uh, much man? Yep. Yep. Superb. I also want to just uh, a peek behind the curtain time. We get reads every now and then, friends, KOA Army, um, telling us what to say about about Manscaped stuff or uh, loosely based. Um, you may have heard all of us, I think, apart from Ross, talking about um, the Manscaped products at the start of the show. You, you might have heard him at the start of this show. Oh, is there a Roscoe one? Superb. Um, one of the ones we've been sent away from football obviously the euros uh happening at the moment but um there's another big thing happening this weekend which is conor mcgregor's coming back to fight dustin poirier in the ufc which is obviously a, a major thing conor mcgregor probably the biggest sporting star in the world um and thus manscaped have sent us a read which involves around the ufc which i'm not going to read all of it out but i like this line manscaped is here to ensure your favorite fighter doesn't miss weight because of their pubes there you go <laughs> make of that what you will so connor's obviously in the process of cutting weight at the moment he might think oh get a few extra grams off get rid is of that, the old, is uh... that happening a lot he's <laughs> oh he hasn't he hasn't made the weight he's too hairy he's too hairy below what, the waist what you do see happen a lot is pete is fighters taking their pants off on the scales to to cut you'd be surprised how heavy pants are boys the amount of times i've seen people shed the underwear and suddenly make weight um, but after the weekend I've had indulging extravagant food wise, if there's any way I can lose weight, uh, which involves shaving my entire body using Manscaped products, that's what I'll be doing. There you go. Um, boys, let's move on because there's some really exciting news. We've talked about the sexy stuff. There's some really exciting news, which I know Roscoe's excited about. Fans are going to be back, baby. All social distancing, etc. looks like it's going to be lifted July 19th, which means August the 7th, fans are going to be back at Portman Road for the big kickoff. It's going to be... 30,000 fans in there. Ed Sheeran's going to do a mini impromptu concert. The new owners are going to be there, clad entirely in Ipswich Town gear and waving stars and stripes. We're going to have a flyover from F-15s from RAF Lakenheath, um, and Town are then going to beat Morecambe 18-0. Roscoe, how excited are you that fans are going to be back at Portman Road? Buzzing. Absolute buzzing. It's going to bounce. Oh, we've got to talk about the friendlies as well, Portman Road. Millwall, don't, Crystal Palace. Don't you Palace. worry, my friend. They're on the list. But, but oh, first okay. of all, let's just talk about fans coming back. Uh, it's been 18 months, you know, since I know we had the December fixtures where there was a few fans in the ground, but that wasn't, you know, it was cold and we were rubbish. But now with the excitement of the new signings, you know, I think the, the first 11 is going to be pretty much all new players. Uh, the new kit looks nice and just fans have just been gagging. That's probably not the right word to use, but maybe possibly just wanting to get back in the stadium. And, oh, it's a relief to say the least, because, you know, I'm sure we all think and ask me loads of restrictions, you know, masks here and they're going to be there, there, there. I'm, I'm sure the Morecambe fans are excited as well to come down to Portland Road because they they probably won't bring that many, but I'm sure they're, they're excited that at least there's no restrictions for away grounds. Mm. Um, but nah, excited. And the group chat's been blowing up that I've been in because they, they can't wait. Even like good old Harvey Davis, the Sweet Welsh Prince, he's, he's looking forward to travelling down to Portland Road because now there's no restrictions. So, yeah, looking forward to it, Stewie. I want you to I want you to paint pictures with your words here. How how big an an event is that going to be on August seventh? And can you also you've obviously in a privileged position. You've covered football for the past year while there's been no fans in the ground. Can you describe just how 
soulless that experience has been and, and how much you're looking forward to fans being back? Uh, the, the soulless experience of covering football behind closed doors cannot be overestimated. Andy touched upon it earlier. It's been, mm-hmm. it's been pretty miserable. It's been a, a pale, pale imitation of the game we know and love. Um, it's a reminder to everybody in the game just how important fans are. We keep hearing the phrase, football without fans is nothing. I, I think football has, as an industry has probably needed that reminder at times that fans increasingly were kind of being treated just as, as a number and their, their loyalty was maybe taken for granted at times. So I hope that that's provided a bit of a reset. But that, that first game of the season is always magic, isn't it? Mm. You know, normally the sun's, sun's blazing in August. There's that sense of renewed hope that we all get, no matter how bad the previous season has been. It's that reset in the summer, isn't it? There's some new signings. Anything can happen. This could be our year. The sense that people are walking to the ground with that level of excitement. As I say, the sun's out. And that's just going to be times multiplied by, I don't know how many, tenfold this time, because it's going to be the first time in 12, 18 months that fans have been back as well. Just just watching the, the games at the Euros, just seeing those full stadiums for the hungry games and mm. hearing the noise and seeing the the limbs and the excitement when, when goals have gone in. And it's just made me smile and just thought, I can't wait. Proper football is going to be back. And that's that's what it's all about because it just didn't really seem to to mean much last season, mm. did it, really? Mm. No. There is there is no better day. Well, I think there are a few better days, I've got to be honest, in any calendar, in any calendar, sporting or otherwise, than the, the first day of the football season for the reasons that Stu just said. There's something... It happens in all sports with seasons. Obviously, you get that reset uh, and you, and we go again. But there's something about football. Where you've, everything is possible, isn't it, on that first day? As, as Chewie says, the sun is pretty much always out. And this time, Hutchie, at Portman Road on August 7th, it's going to be a day almost like any other, isn't it? Because you, there's so much that's changed at, at Ipswich Town since fans were last there, since they last kicked a ball in in earnest, even without fans. It's going to be extraordinary, isn't it? That first that first game. It's like a like a rebirth, isn't it? Yeah. Of, a, of a football club, <clears throat> almost like the the phoenix phoenix from the flames. Um, this, phoenix yeah, rising. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, just there's so many reasons to be to be optimistic. I, Stu's right. Every year, you, you convince yourself that this year could be the year that those players that you watched for the last twelve months are. They didn't quite click, but. You know what? If he plays a little bit further forward as a fullback, this whole team could change. But mm. but this this year it's so different because it's going to be a completely new side. Um, the possibilities are the possibilities are endless. Uh, I I guess for the for the season. Um, whether that's still the case come mid September when it, it was which a fifteenth in League One, I don't know. <laughs> I hope I, I hope that's not I hope that's not the case. But I hope the owners are able to get over. I, I know they're. I know they're they're planning to. There obviously a lot of that will depend on um, what's required in terms of isolation and travel from the US and things like that. But there's a, a definite desire for them to be here. I'm forward to them seeing what they've bought, and I'm looking forward to, to Ipswich fans and, and us kind of seeing what they're beginning to create. It's gonna be it's gonna be a real real fascinating day where where everyone feels at the start of a start of a new journey, and it, it's. It's going to be really exciting. Um, it's going to it's going to be a really seems, good day. Um, everything seems so much more vivid, doesn't it, on the first day of the season? Mm. Everyone's got their crisp new shirts on. 
It just I don't know. There just seems to be more color and mm. noise. I don't know if I kind of you invent that in your own in your own mind, but to me no, that's but, kind of how it feels on that first day of the season. Yeah, the pitch is perfect, isn't it? The sprinklers yeah. you the, the sprinklers always have to go on, which I which personally I think really helps uh, sort of that feeling of, of freshness. The sprinklers are on because it's a hot August day. You need a bit of zip in that pitch to certainly for a Paul Cook team for for players to kind of move the ball around and run and it it's just it just looks perfect and and hopefully a big big crowd as well. I'm not not sure how many they can get in there, but I'd, I'd hope it would be certainly into the twenties, um, mm. if if not a little bit higher. So that's that's making me tingle already, boys. Just thinking about that 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 first day of the football season is such a special day, uh, and the owners are definitely going to be there, boys. Let's be honest; they're filthy rich. Rules don't apply to them. They'll they'll be there. Come hell or high water, they'll be there, and it'll be tremendous to see them. And it's going to be a tremendous day. Also, of course, tremendous. And we're starting the big build up to the big kickoff this weekend. Town fans are actually going to be able to watch their side play for the first time since December at Dartford. Um, if you had that on the betting slip, next time fans are going to be at game, Dartford away, um, you've won a million pounds. But again, this weekend, boys, there's a, there's a capacity of 2,000 at Princess Park. Um, I know a lot of uh, tickets have already been sold. More than half, when I spoke to Dartford last week, have gone to to town fans. Um, Stu, are you looking forward to this weekend? What, what are you hoping to see at, at Dartford on Saturday? Uh, looking forward to seeing some fans in the stadium, first and foremost, which will be nice. Uh, mm. And then obviously seeing some of the new boys in action. Um, be interested to see um, what sort of shape they're in. Paul Cook, we've seen some footage from, from the early stages of pre-season training. And um, fitness is uh, is the word coming from him in quite colourful language in some of those training sessions. We know that that's going to be a big part of it. So, um yeah, let's let's see. I mean, these these early preseason games are. I never read too much into them. I've seen I've seen seasons where Ipswich have been really good in preseason and then rubbish when the real thing starts, and, and vice versa. But um, yeah, just be nice to see some of some of the new boys in action and, and just to enjoy it as a as a day out for everybody. Really, mm. can I just say from the training pitches as well? Last week, I didn't realise, Hutchin, you, you you put me right on this that Lee Evans is such a unit. He looked. Yeah, there's he's a not picture, small. There's a picture of his back, um, and you know, a big a big back uh, is important in terms of athletes. And he has a back like a a Colombian butterfly swimmer. He's got a tremendous back on him. Mm. Must deadlift a ton. Um, and that just brought home to me what kind of athletes we're going to have at town this season. They're going to be. I mean, God, if they get Matt Crooks as well, absolute tank um, in midfield alongside the likes of Lee Evans. They're, they're going to be super fit and super physical aren't they this season, Hutchie? That seems to be the way they go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, even the footballers that you think are slight are like mm. absolutely stacked though. Like Flynn, Flynn Downs, you wouldn't call him a tank, but if if you look at him with his top off, which, which I have, which I, which I have, <laughs> you do frequently. He, yeah. he is absolutely ripped. Like foot, like that, even, even the ones that aren't sort of big, like you would think like, like Teddy Bishop is in really, really good shape. They're just, mm haven't necessarily got that height. But yeah, Lee Evans is a big boy. He's over six foot. He's um he's certainly not kind of an Alan Judge kind of stature. Um but yeah, no, it's it's gonna be interesting. I'd see if, if they're all good to go and good to play at the weekend. Um this is I think it, it it is more of a day of kind of excitement rather than learning anything. And Andy Rolls, the new head of head of performance, has said that 
this is an, it's an, it's a training session. This game, it's just a, a different training session, and that that for them, the the real the real quiz is the the later the later games, which I which I kind of take to mean Palace, then Colchester on that Tuesday, and then Millwall as the three. I think they're the three, and and I'd I'd, I'd bet a, a lot of money that there's a significant uh, number of new players by then as well. That that they're the three where you're going to see how this team's shaping up potentially mm. but but this this is an extension of training but it's an extension of training that hundreds of, of Ipswich fans and, and and us we're all going to get to witness and we're going to see the new kit we're going to see a nice green grass we're going to see new players we're going to hear Paul Cook shouting away on the touchline and, and it's all going to feel quite quite nice and normal again so that that's what this day's for it's it, it, it's kind of a a soft launch of um what is going to be a, a really really exciting couple of months um at, at the very least yeah, and we're all going to be there. Um, me and Rossi, we're going to be milling around outside before and after the game, and, and during the game inside the ground. So, I know a lot of uh, a lot of the KO army are going to be there. So, come over and chat to us. We'll be looking for for people to chat to about get your get your photos, get your autographs from Mark from Mark and Ross. Um, that's not anyone... that's not where I was going, but yeah, I mean, if yeah, absolutely. Um, but clearly, the the most interest will be for you, Hutchie, now that you're a verified. Um, personality on Twitter, but um, as I was wow. saying, come and come and talk to us because uh, we want to we want to get some fans on video talking about the season and what's happening um, and how excited you are. It'd be great to see you all. Um, so that's where we'll be Saturday. Um, Roscoe, how excited are you about about getting out and about and, and actually being at a game again? Because it's been a while. Yeah, I'm sick of my spare room in my house now. I'm just looking outside right now. It's rain at the moment, but. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it will be just a relief just to be at a football game. I know I've been lucky, like the lads, I was able to go to the you know behind closed doors games at Porton Road and that was just soulless. But to be at a non-league ground, see the beers flowing, burgers, hopefully they'll be selling burgers so I can have a cheeky burger. Um, <laughs> if you yeah, see just... Ross Halls with a burger, I want a picture of, I want a, <laughs> yeah. I want someone to go and get a picture of, picture of Ross Halls with a burger, please. If anyone yeah. can produce that, there'll, there'll be a prize for anyone who gets a picture of Ross mid yeah. burger, another wow. burger. I'll buy, I'll buy Great someone a burger if, if they can get the picture, yeah, yeah. But no, look forward to it. It's going to be good, right? Then, boys, anything else town wise? I get hashtag burger buff. <laughs> yeah. hashtag that'd be great yeah b b u h i think is the official spelling of spur isn't it yeah Let's we'll go, go with yeah. that we'll go with that um boys anything else on the town tip to mention because of course we have to finish by talking about ingerland um so anything else you want to talk about town wise before we jump to the euros no the town business england are on the verge of the euro 2020 still sounds odd saying that final they play Denmark tomorrow night as we record this. Last week, um, I, I think Ross and Hutchie were, were fairly down. Although, Hutchie, you did predict a win. Uh, me and Roscoe both predicted defeats to the old enemy, Germany. Um, Stu, you were bang up for it. You, you predicted a win on penalties. Thank God it didn't go to that. How are we feeling, boys, about this? Because since then, they've they've done something that's most un-England-like, really, which is cruise through games. They absolutely tonked Ukraine on Saturday. 4-0. This doesn't happen at major championships for England, certainly not in my lifetime. And now they've got a very winnable game against Denmark uh, on Wednesday night. How are you feeling about it, Stewie? Um, I'm, I've never felt this um, confident, comfortable in an England team. It's a, it's a very odd feeling seeing, mm. seeing that Ukraine game unfold. It almost felt in a weird way kind of 
uh, after the Lord Mayor show from the Germany game. There was no real tension in the air watching it, which we're accustomed to with watching England. We've almost been very Germany-like, haven't we? You know, mm. if this was Germany, we'd be looking at them jealously, going oh, so efficient, so understated. You know, they just come to the party when it's tournament football. Haven't conceded a goal. Have rotated the squad quite nicely. Have adapted to different tactics. Um, it does feel like you're we're never going to get a better chance than this with the games at Wembley and the way the draws unfolded and everything. And yet, it's so deeply, deeply ingrained in us that you just can't help but fear that oh, Denmark. It's just something about them. There's maybe there's a bit of fate about them with everything that's happened with Ericsson. And you look back to '92 when they. Mm-hmm were pulled off the beach and went and won it and I don't know but that's just that's just superstition talking really if I put all of that emotion to one side and, and analyze the, the cold hard facts of it we're looking in damn good shape I have to say we are indeed Hutch are you, you're starting to feel a little tingle as yet and you're England I love England I love what I love watching it I'll ne- I'll, I don't think I'll ever be a huge like England football fan like mm. uh, in terms of shirts and St George's flags and stuff, but I don't know, it's just not my vibe. But I, I watch it; I'm fascinated by it. I absolutely love watching England in in major tournaments, um, and I do think they'll win. They haven't conceded a goal as a team, have they? Like I, my only slight worry is is if they were to concede one early, mm. just how how they'd react to that. Um, but no, I think I think they'll win. I think they're going to get to the final, and. Um, and then Ross has to decide who to who to support because I think Italy are going to get to the final too. This is what I was going to come on to, Roscoe. If Italy and England are in the final, which you'd have to say at the moment would probably be the bookies' tip, who are you going to support? Whoever wins, because I'm a glory hunter. So oh no, you can't the, do you can't do that. The, that's the worst possible answer. You're not going to have one of those dreadful half and half scarves, are you? No, oh, no, no, half and half you, um, shirt as well. Yeah, you have to yeah. t- you have to attach your colours to the mast right now, here and now, Roscoe. Italy, England in the final. If it happens, who you who do you want to win? It's got to be England because yes, I, I live here and I've only ever gone to Italy for a, like a two or three week holiday and see family in Italy. But I've lived here all my life, and uh, as you can hear from my accent, I'm very much <laughs> English, but um, I'm, I'm proud of I'm proud of the, the Italian boys, and um, that should be a very tasty final if it does happen. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I think that is going to be. The, I think that will be the final. Shall we finish with predictions then, boys? Hutchie, you're saying England win. What, what do you reckon score will be? Two nil. I think fairly. Ooh. I think fairly comfortable. If I'm if I'm completely honest, they're they're, they're just a really solid football team. I think Sterling's going to score again. He's been. He's been brilliant. I've never really, I've never really got why he he gets so much criticism. Mm. Um, he'd have been in my start starting eleven for England all all day long from the start from mm. the start of this tournament. I think he's going to score again, and um, yeah, I think I, I think they'll make the final fairly comfortably. Two 0 Rossi. What are you saying? Well, I'm definitely not going to do what Sergi did, predicting Ukraine to win on penalties in the quarterfinal. I don't know what the lad was on that morning when I spoke okay. to him. I guess he had to say that, didn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah, didn't didn't really play uh, out like that. No, um, I'm I'm like Hutchie, really. I think we could win this game comfortably, but then Denmark they've got that that great team spirit. You know what happened to Kristen Eriksson, which you know, oh, oh, just um, that was horrible scenes, weren't it? But uh, I think we'll have too much for Denmark, and yeah, I think we're going to win two 0 as well. Stewie, you obviously think England are going to go through, do you? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, can't. 
I really don't want to tempt fate. I get a bit superstitious talking about it, really. But, yeah, I can't see beyond us as going through. I mean, I look at it, and Chilwell and James were probably two of the best players in the Chelsea team that won the Champions League final not that long ago. And they're not even getting in the team. And you've got mm. Luke. And I looked at that and I questioned that, you know, not that long ago. And now you've got Shaw coming up with the assists on one side. And, you know, we've got suddenly Foden can't get in the team and we've got Grealish as an option off the bench. It's just, I love Gareth Southgate. I just think he's, he's an complete antithesis to everything in sort of modern day society where sort of big egos and people who talk a good, good game sort of make their way to the top. And Gareth Southgate is just so genuine and speaks with complete empathy. And I just think he's very statesmanlike and I just, just really proud to have him as England manager. And I just, uh, for, for him, and the way he's kind of mentored this this young squad, I just uh, I just really hope it happens for for him and, and the whole nation. It would be such a such a boost. It already has been. Mm, mm. I thought it was particularly interesting after the the win on Saturday. One of the first things he said was he was he, his main concern was about the players who didn't play um, and who weren't even in in the squad uh, and, and keeping them as you know part of the team and and that kind of thing, which is incredible, really, as a, as a manager to to be thinking about players aren't even in the squad and how they're feeling about various things. Um, he, he he truly does have a an excellent approach as a manager. I'm going to have, a, however, boys, I'm going to predict a defeat because last last week I predicted a defeat to the Germans and we won quite quite comfortably in the end and obviously then beat Ukraine. So I'm going to stick with my superstition of backing against England, hoping they will then um, prove me wrong, as so many people do in life. So I'm going to say England are going to go out, um, hoping that England go through. And we, England-Italy final would be brilliant right england spain final would be good but england italy would be superb right then boys um we are now at an hour 16 minutes maybe a little bit less um because we had a, a pre-match meeting um which is a good length for a podcast any other business boys before we take our leave um and start chasing up some more transfer stuff and talking about england <clears throat> no other business roscoe's no got something business. football's coming home baby what's <laughs> going home <laughs> to italy is that <clears throat> <laughs> um, okay, that that just leads me then to say, make sure you look out for the Kerry Fan Social, which is coming out to you. Is it Friday morning? Goes out now, Rossi, under the new mm-hmm. the new banner of, of Fan Social. Is there a Tractor Girls talk being planned for this week? When's the next one of those? Potentially depends if there's any news that drop. Because uh, okay, yeah. So keep an eye out on, on our channel for that. That's um, Ross and Katie Sandals talking about the Ipswich Town ladies team, which has been promoted. Uh, follow us across all our social medias. That's Kings of Anger on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, particularly YouTube, please. Subscribe to that because you want to get up to 2K subscribers and there's lots of video exclusive stuff dropping on there. Um, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And, of course, use code KOA at manscaped.com to get 20% off and free delivery. Be that a testicle trimmer, or a weed whacker for the nose and ears. I also want to say, as I finish, um, we had a, a comment on YouTube last week that I swore too much from a, a man ironically called Dick Smith. Um, oh, and there he is. <laughs> so, Dick, you, you made the valid point that young people watch this show on YouTube. Uh, and my, I was too profane, so I'd like to say that I've got through the entire show without saying F or B or anything else. Or indeed, a mild swear word. So there you go, Dick. I hope you're proud of me. I'm proud of myself because that's as long as I can go without swearing. Hope you all have an excellent week. Uh, enjoy the England game. Fingers crossed England get through. And by the time we next talk, well, well we're going to talk at Dartford, obviously. Um, Ipswich Town will have a, a slew more signings and England would have won 
Euro 2020. Have a fantastic week and we'll speak to you next time, friends. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.